the final fate of Jan Hammer by the Steve's Video Store Actors. In colonial days, as the United States of America was being built by brave and honest people, there were times when superstition ran rife and hate claimed the minds of our countrymen. In New England, the mere accusation of being a witch was enough to sentence a person to be tied to a stake and burned alive. This terrible form of colonial justice, with its unfair court proceedings, sent many an innocent woman to her fiery death. And welcome to Steve's Video Store. Ah, don't you love the smell of burning Jan Hammer in the morning, Carl? It's Jan Winter. Yes, I do. Jan Winter. You know what it smells like? Smells, smells like, like victory. Smells like yes. victory. Every smells year, like- if you listen to our shows, uh, when we commented on the Rocky Roll Hall of Fame, what's been our major bitch? Take it, Mr. Carl Caper, musical extraordinaire. <laughs> A musical our, fan our extraordinaire. Is that Yard Wetter is an asshole. And there are people that he will never let into the Hall of Fame because he can't he doesn't like them. And of course this this interview that he had, I guess it was the Atlantic. Um he just he just buried himself, saying that women and, and black performers don't have the intelligence to be in the Hall of Fame and shit like that. He got and buried. Me in his and interview it's about book. fucking time. Yeah, Say but again? what's funny about he said that women and black uh, musicians are, in his opinion, not intelligent enough to be interviewed for his cup. Interview book. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to see some asshole get buried, but it's rare 
to see an asshole truly bury himself with such a thorough and impressive job. Oh, absolutely. I'm impressed. You know, how many times have we bitched over over the airwaves about Yon Winter and him not letting certain people in? I know you, with you it's like Thin Lizzy and, and, and a number of others. Warren Zevon. Yes, Your Warren. guy. Your guy. Well, which is Harry Nelson. Harry Nelson. Yeah, Harry Nelson. Jethro Dr. fucking Hook. Cole. No. Yeah, Jethro fucking Cole. Just so many deserving artists. And let's not get into the 80s metal band that deserve because so many bands have taken influence from them. Yeah, I'm, uh, that's that's your deal, not mine. <laughs> yeah, not but you know what I mean. I, I I know, I know because you know I'm as much as I don't like, like Metallica, the first thing I'm going to say is they're they're no, they're not Metallica. I'm talking about the new wave of British heavy metal that came out of the late seventies, early eighties that was inspired by the Kinks' anger and Thin Lizzy's guitar playing. Okay, like who? Give me a couple people. Like Judas Priest, Iron Maiden. Okay. Yeah, okay. Hell, yeah. If, you, so, if you know how to read Iron Maiden's books, he was geek culture before. Geek culture was cool. Yeah. But yeah. Agreed. Fuck you to death, yawn loser. <laughs> Maybe we'll get some good picks into the Hall of Fame. Now that you've lost all influence. You know, and if you let you, us back in with the Florida influence, you ought to go to hell and die. Let me tell you something. I know somebody who's laughing in his grave and just jumping up and down. You know who that is? Oh. Hunter S. Thompson. They couldn't yeah. fucking stand each other. And you know how much I think of Hunter. Yeah. Well, if you remember an almost famous, even, uh, what's his name, uh, the director, Cameron Crowe did not have not nice things to say about Jan Winter. No, he didn't. Or, you know, we I mean, quote my favorite, Lester Bangs, that Swedish okay. cocksucker. He called him that Swedish cocksucker. <laughs> yep. So how yeah, the hell do you dead. go from a yeah? How the hell do you go from an underground god to a fucking joke? Well, just just look at his life. That's the perfect thing. I mean, he was when when the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame started. Man, he was a god. Uh, you know, it, it was a wonderful thing. I was there the second year. The second year it was up, because that was uh, that was the year that uh, Frank Zappa died, and they put him directly in. And I took uh, a bunch of kids to there, and we we stayed the whole day. 
And, you know, I said, what a wonderful thing, and what a wonderful thing Jan Winner has done. And then over the years, man, just showed how prejudiced he was against specific musical artists and musical styles. And do you know why Frank Zappa wouldn't let himself be inducted while he was alive? Well, he wasn't, he hadn't met the criteria yet. No, but he had. Was... Remember, uh, uh, Freak Out came out in 68. He met the criteria, but he wanted all of the mothers and his bands. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they said, no, we're only going to put the first one in. Then he said, well, suck my dick. I'm not going to come there. Yeah. You know, he, uh, as tough as he was with his uh, bandmates, and trust me, he was, he was also very, very um, loyal to them, too. Yeah, there's only a few that ended up hating him, and I never understood why, and he never did clarify why him and Jimmy Carr Black hated each other. Funny thing is... They they certainly had difficulties, but Jimmy Carl Black came came back late in in his career and Zappa's to be on albums. They were still you know I won't say close, but they were uh, cordial. Cordial, that's the word. They were cordial. And here's another one for Carl. Michael Gambon, which most of us would know from, uh, most of us non-art film freaks would know from uh, the Harry Potter films is the darker Dumbledore from the later books, which I think uh, Richard Harrison, as good as he is, he couldn't have handled the the darker, you know, the darker twists and turns. And the art film geeks would know him the most from the cook. The thief, which he played the thief, and the cook, the thief, the wife, and his lover. Yeah. But uh, he was also, he was all over the place. Um, uh, Gosford Park. Uh, give me a moment. Eh. Oh, not my favorite by any means, but of all of but, but a good film. Good film. Crappy film oh, man, and a crappy he, mystery. You know, he was in uh, uh, The King's Speech. Uh, Another crappy film. You know. But he did a lot of that. You know, he was in Hail Caesar. Now, I tell you, one of the films I love him in is mm-hmm. uh, The Life Aquatic. He played uh, Seamus O'Leary, who was uh, the guy that had the money that was backing uh, Bill Murray. Oh, and speaking of uh, the new Ronald Dahl adaption from uh, that guy is up on Netflix this week. That's what I heard. And he was also in the Fantastic Mr. Fox. Um, He was, uh, oh, you know a film he was in that I forgot? Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. The, the film about – that's the one about uh, the person who wrote the lyrics to Amazing Grace. 
Uh, he's in that. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, Gosford Park. I, I see Tumbleweed. He was oh, drifting he was, uh, across. He was about to uh, Sleeping Hollow, too. Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. But still, when you said that about Amazing Grace and described what it is, I seen Tumbleweed just go across the studio. <laughs> of well, I, went to, just, I went to see that in the theater, okay? You know, I forgive me. I'm into religion. Um, it was in Squanto, A Warrior's Tale. It was in the Browning version. If you like religion, why didn't you like the leech? But it both. Because that was a rough fucking film. Uh, he also did the second uh, season of the Storytellers, the Greek myths one. Not as good as the original first season, but nonetheless. That's because they, uh, that was the season they took uh, Jim Henson's balls and said, give me those. Oh, thank you. <laughs> And the other thing, the thing that really got him going was the original BBC uh, production of The Singing Detective. Ooh. And no, this is not the very crappy horror adaption with Robert Downey Jr. No. This is the BBC. This is the rough one. And it's rough in a good way, not rough as in, God, let me paw my eyes out. Yeah. And, of course, lots and lots of TV. Yeah. Oh, you know what? There's another movie he was in. First movie I ever saw him in, and you saw it too. The Beast Must Die. Ooh, I love that one. Yeah. The best cross so between a werewolf film and an Agatha Christie film ever made. Or should I put the only film that's a cross <laughs> there you go. between a werewolf oh, and an Agatha yeah, Christie with the with a little bit of uh, the most dangerous game sprinkled in. Yep. Isn't it like the only movie that Calvin Lockhart has the lead. No, he's got one more. It's called The Banker. Oh, okay. Those were the only two. Those were the only two. But, yeah. But there you I go. Mean, that, that's Michael Gambon for you. Yeah. Rest in peace, sir. And Absolutely. Now on to the main beat and the reason why Carl is so giddy tonight. Uh, we've done many, I mean, it's a, most of the problem with Halloween mixes is 99.9% of the good songs, well, even the bad songs, were released as, and Carl's about to give you a definition, 45 single one-shots. Carl. Tell the people what a 45 single one-shot is. Well, basically what you've got, okay, so an album is 33 and a third. That has a number of songs on it, usually five or six on each side. A single is two sides, uh, an A side and a B side. 
And the A-side is the one that they push on Top 40 Radio. And so you would get these novelty songs for, for Halloween, like uh, Monster Mash and that sort of thing on Gar Packs. And they would, uh, that's what they would push. Maybe they might put out an album, but that would not sell nearly as well as the 45. So they focus specifically on the 45. And this is basically in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. Once you get in the 70s, then you get into albums, basically. Um, Or you got one-shot bands like The Poets, who I think had one album, period. But God I'm not even dang. Sure they, uh, the Poets had an album. I'd have to check. Uh, and if they yeah, did, I it was a couple of like years later. They had an album. Okay. They had one album. And they didn't want to deal with the studio twat waffle shit. And so they said, bye-bye. Yep. And, and if you always want to bring up the Poets, listen to Dead. That is one of oh. the best best Halloween songs ever. And with a beat, they'll make you move your ass. That beat will make you shake your butt, even if you ain't got no butt. You'll find Mm. butt you didn't have. (laughs) This is true. This is true. So, what are we focusing on? Why don't you tell the the audience what we're doing today? Uh, Albums. What I mean is full albums and the whole song has to be dealt with creepy. First, we're going to deal with music, and then we're going to get into spoken word. Sadly, most of the spoken word stuff is from the 60s. I don't know why it fell out of favor in the 70s, because there was nothing better than uh, listening to a good spooky story during a thunderstorm or just late at night. Agreed. And there was a renaissance in the late 70s and 80s when the public radio stations, stuff that would use any free broadcast and they could, would get all of these PD things. There was uh, the shadow, the spider. Come on, Carl. You Lights can name out. a couple. Lights, Lights out. Lights out. Out, everyone. Oh, Arch Ogler. Nothing more need to be said. Um, oh God. Well, yeah. Explain who Arch Ogler was, radio wise. Well, Arch Ogler was basically Albert uh, Alfred Hitchcock before Alfred Hitchcock when it came to radio. He was the first one to really do scary stories on radio. And then once you hit the 50s, um, then he started doing films. And he did some odd films like like um, he did uh, – what's the one about the, the TV? Uh, Twonky! But he did another, yes, the Twonky, yes. In seven. Uh, no, actually uh, – um, it's not seven. It's um, five. It's five. Not five. seven. It's five. But uh, well, I had two more. 
He also had an well, early actually, TV show in the 50s. Yeah. It's actually six if you count the monster, which I do. Yeah, but it's it's as the the title of it is called Five. Um, yeah. But really, really, you know, I mean, listening to these things, and and the other thing too is when we get into that, you know, anyone that was attached to horror films, and I'm talking like Boris Karloff and John Carradine and. These people, they would do these spoken words, and we'll get into that later, but there's a lot of that yeah. out there. And what comedian was uh, the first one to really name drop Arch Obler in his routines? That I do not know, so tell me. Bill Cosby. Oh, Cosby, okay. He talked about when he was a kid, and I thought he was full of crap once I tell you what he's going to listen to, but surprise! Was the chicken heart that ate Cleveland. <laughs> yes. It wasn't Detroit. No, no. Uh, there, there, there's a couple of takeoffs on that. Um, the eggplant that ate Chicago. Um, yeah. You know, comic versions of it. But yeah, the chicken heart. That's what it was called, the chicken heart. And what it is, is about a town that gets attacked by this giant Godzilla-sized chicken heart. And all you can hear mostly throughout the whole show is just bum, 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 bum. Bum, bum. And then it got louder and louder and louder and louder and louder and, louder and boom. But you know, one other on takeoff. Go ahead. Okay, but one other takeoff on that I just want to mention, and and uh, is uh, Thomas Pinchon did a did a, a novel called Gravity's Rainbow, and Gravity's Rainbow has a small section <sighs> of it about a giant adenoid that attacks London. <laughs> And it's directly yeah. from Obler. I honestly thought, Carl, that Bill Cosby was just making it all up until uh, at uh, my local uh, consignment store had a whole bunch of cassettes. And I looked, and it was lights out. It was called The Hot, uh, the Haunted Mansion of something I forget. But the B-side said, the chicken heart that ate Cleveland. I'm like, what? <laughs> well, but my first musical pick is one that I haven't talked to Carl about, and it's the Alan Parsons Project. And can you guess the album's title, Carl? Tales of Imagination. Um, I forget the exact... Stories... But- of Edgar Allan Poe. Allan Poe. And it's a great fucking album. Great it's album. It's a whole album uh, set to music of Edgar Allan Poe's poems and short stories. And and it's wonderful. It's, it's a wonderful yeah. album. It definitely wears its heart on its sleeve. Yep. Very great album, and 
It's kind of obscure nowadays, isn't it? Uh, I think the the reason that it's obscure is because, you know, that's from the 70s. You know, and that's 60 years ago, basically. Yeah, but you still get lots of people find like a million copies of another album, which I'm going to bring this up as my second just because it fits right here, and that's uh, War of the Worlds by Wick Wakersman. Mm-hmm. And that, you can find like a million copies of that on YouTube. Yeah. And that is a rock opera version of the War of the Worlds with Orson Welles, or is it Christopher Lee that does the narration? Uh, Orson Welles does. Yeah. And it's one of Miss Love's favorites, isn't it, Carl? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And And what's your first two picks, Carl? What? You want me to do two? Well, let yeah, me start I with one, two. okay? Because because okay. we did um, yesterday we did a uh, co- uh, commentary watch on um, on Back to School, and in that movie there's a wonderful concert uh, sequence with Ongo Boingo, and they're doing Dead Man's Party from the same album. And this is an album that also has No One Lives Forever, uh, Weird Science, Same Man I Was Before, and it's very, very much uh, focused on on weirdness and Nothing bad ever happens to me. Yeah, yep, there's that too. So, so it's a great, it's a great album. Nice, but nothing bad ever happens to me. It's one of the darkest fucking songs you can hear. <laughs> oh, agreed. <laughs> agreed. And, and basically, the next one I'm going to mention is my favorite album from them. But basically, um, any album by this group, and that's the Cramps. I fucking love the Cramps. Oh God, yeah. Lux and Poison Ivy, man. They, you know, the, the idea is they. She was hitchhiking. He picked her up. Then they they found out they were in the same class at Santa Monica State University of, of of California, and they hooked up, and they they had a love of early, uh, you know, fifties horror movies and that sort of thing. And they came up with the cramps, and oh my fucking god, they invented Psycho Billy. It, 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 yeah, it, it's Psycho Billy or Hell Billy. Mm-hmm. I always like Psycho Billy better than Hell Billy. Billy. Yeah, but I like Hell Billy Shock. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but uh, the album that I picked from them is Live Dead Girls. Which one did you pick, Carl? Songs the Lord Taught Us. This is the one that I picked. Yeah. Isn't that the one with the human fly? Yep. Absolutely. Oh, that one has one of the raunchiest bass lines intros ever. And, 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 you know, that's the thing about Poison Ivy. 
one of the things I love about this group is you know who her 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 guitar hero was. It was Link Ray. You know. Yeah. Link Ray, man. And just just an unbelievable album. Uh, but as I said, any album, any album. By the cramps, yeah. I mean, look, you just have to look at 80s horror films. Uh, Return of the Living Dead, off the one I picked, The Surfing Dead. Yeah. Uh, Near Dark, Fever. Yep, and and uh, it has. I was a teenage werewolf. Sunglasses after dark. Um, yeah. Mystery plane. Zombie dance. Uh, so many great Zom- songs. Are you sure this is zombie stomp? No, it's zombie dance. Zombie stomp comes okay. late, uh, comes before. Okay. I think, or comes after. No, it comes after actually. But yeah, the cramps was a great. <laughs> Oh, and they do a cover Anything. of Strict Nine, too, by the Sonics. They do a cover of Strict Nine. Ooh, I love that fucking song. Yeah, exactly. And I definitely love when the Sonics version is used in uh, Hardcore Henry. Yep. But, Yeah. And then we got one that Carl pulled up, and that would be the early Danzig and the Miss. Their first album has, like, the Halloween anthem. I remember Halloween. Mm -hmm. Now, that album is Walk Among Us, by the way. Yeah. And, uh... The only film that blatantly uses a movie title in its for its inspiration. Mm-hmm. You what? What movie is that that they use? It was called um, Fanatic in the UK. Um, that's not this album. Oh, unless you're talking about Astro Zombies. Yeah, they use Astro Zombies, uh, Die, Die, My Darling. Yeah, that's in a later album. Uh, but this has this yeah. has Vampire, yeah. I Turned yeah. Into a Martian, uh, Night of the Living Dead, of course, uh, Devil's, Devil's Whorehouse, Astro Zombies, and Brain Eaters. Those are all movie titles of some real drive-in crud. Oh, yeah. What was the Brain Eaters an unofficial adaption of that got them sued by the author? Mm-hmm. And of course, what let's was not it, forget who, who was behind the Misfits. We forget this. You know who was, yeah, who was the Dan- main driving force? What? Glenn Danzig. There you go. Exactly. If you go Republican cocksucker only, me and you would have gone round and round and round and round. Yeah. Gotta give him credit, man. But yeah, the early years of the Misfits are just, any of the albums are great for Halloween. Yes, agreed. 
But I asked you, Carl, answer me. What movie, what book was The Brain Eaters an unofficial adaption of that got it sued by the author because they ripped it off without giving him a damn cent for rights to his book? The Puppet Masters. The Puppet Masters. By? By? Uh, Heinlein. Robert Heinlein. Except that he didn't write them as fuzzy slippers. No, he didn't. <laughs> no, the he Brain did Eaters not. is not good. Go watch the 90s Puppet Masters. Mm-hmm. And uh, my third pick is, well, uh, oh, yeah, I already picked the third one. Boop, Carl. Bloop. Okay, I'm 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 going to uh, do something just a little different uh, because I'm going to say Nina Hagen, the nun sex monk rock. Okay, um, it's not exactly horror. Wait a second, Carl. Wait a second, Carl. Okay. Warning: pretentious bullshit about to be spouted. <laughs> If you have any honest human musical taste, turn off your headphones or turn the radio down for the next five minutes. Thank you. Go on, Carl. <laughs> yeah, you and I disagree on Nina. Uh, but the thing oh, is, oh no, her I vocals, love her stuff. Her vocals, everything about this album, even though it's not quote horror. Sounds like it's from a horror movie soundtrack. Yeah, you, you can put that with Grace Jones, too. Yeah, yeah, Grace Jones would be another one like this. But my favorite, uh, my favorites on the album are Anti World, Born in These Acts, uh, Cosmo Shiva, and UFO. And and boy, if you don't know Nina, this is a woman who could be an opera singer. But it would only be modern opera, and it would be opera that you would run from the from the uh, stage screaming because it, it's just insane. And of course, probably the best thing she's known for is a, a German cover of White Punks on Dope called TV Glotze, uh, which is just insane. You can see that on on YouTube. But anything by her. Okay, I'm done. You can wake up now. (laughs) (laughs) And the next one definitely goes into get any of his albums. And that will be the one, the only, Mr. If You Have Goals, Then You Have a Wonderful Life, Roki Fucking Erickson. Also, the 13th Street Elevators was his band, and yeah. uh, either either Rokey alone or the 13th Street Elevators, I don't care what you get. Perfect fucking Halloween. Yeah, sadly, dear Rokey was like Sid Barrett, as in he dabbled, t- he had one too many pharmaceutical experiences. Mm-hmm. And he ended up frying his brain. Mm -hmm. But once he fried his brain, he put out some of the best 
horror theme music you have ever heard. Yep. And uh, since we're going like buy anything from an artist, I'm going to mention someone too. Wait, I ain't uh, finished. But uh, uh, the okay. ones to try to listen to the most to really see if you like them are if we you have ghosts. Of course, the hardest to learn song in the history of karaoke. I walked with a zombie. Oh yeah. I walked with a zombie last night. That's basically about the whole song. I walked with a zombie. I walked with a zombie last night. Mm-hmm. The other and great, of course, uh, uh, car- go ahead. I was just going to say the other great karaoke song is Tequila. Okay, that's it. <laughs> yeah, but and of course, if you watch Return of the Living Dead. The but the song that most people loved the most off soundtrack was "Burn the Plains" by Rocky Erickson, and if you yeah. love that kind of atmosphere and mood, you'll love Rocky. He just drenches he drenched his music post pharmaceutical indulgences with so much atmosphere. You know, and, and, and he's another guy that loved his 50s horror movies and, and stuff and, and really, like, brought that stuff out into his in, into his music. I, I love Rocky. You could smell the stale, you could smell the stale, almost closed drive-in popcorn and the leftover hot dogs in almost every song that he sung. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And I mean that in a loving way. Just get any of Rokey's albums and you're sure to do good. If He said, if you have ghosts, I say, if you have Roke, you have a wonderful life. Damn right. Now, what was yours on the just get anyone? Well, basically, how can you not mention Screaming Jay Hawkins. Oh, God. Now we're moving into a different territory. That is Nolan's musical horror. Nolan's musical horror, I mean, as long as they've been music in uh, New Orleans, they've been horror and just violence attached to it. Like, you've heard of the Axeman Rag, haven't you, Carl? Oh, yeah. Do you know the story behind it? Oh, uh, I know it was a, a serial killer. That, that that I know. Yeah. Not much He was that. a serial killer that busted in about five to ten people's houses and just butchered everyone in the house. And then he said, he sent this song to a radio station, or I don't know, it was an anonymous letter. It says, play this at exactly 9 o'clock if you don't want to get chopped up by the axe. And you would just hear this all the way down 
through the New Orleans streets for about a month, and he stopped and he vanished. Yeah. Now tell us why Screaming Jay Hawkins. Well, why? Uh, let's see. I put a spell on you. <laughs> um, yeah. And like everything else. I mean, he is, he's, you know, he started out as a straight singer. And then uh, he came out and, and did I like, Put a Spell on You. And um, he was the guy from Cleveland, um, uh, DJ. You know, the famous DJ from Cleveland that started rock and roll. Oh, Alan Freed. Alan Freed went up to him and, and, and said, you know, I'll give you $200 if you come out of a, uh, a coffin and do the song. And he, he says, listen, I don't want to do that because any black man that gets in a coffin doesn't come out here in the South. doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. But he was, he was cajoled into it, and he found that that was an absolute wonderful way of um, being a shaman. And, 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 and you know, uh, we're going to talk about some other people... Carl, may I take the time to replace being a showman with what he said at the real, what he really said? Okay, go, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Scaring white folks. Yeah. (laughs) But, but that was the whole thing. And and so, so, you know, he was the first one. You talk about Alice Cooper. You talk about Kiss. You talk about any of these bands that use theatricality. To scare people, it's 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 screaming Jay Hawkins, period. Yeah, it's like I've always said. There've been two sides. I tried to explain to a friend. There's the jazz band side, which would play for you in the twenties, and you would dance, you know. Mm-hmm. And then there was the screaming Jay Hawkins side which would take you around and put its arm around his shoulder, take you in the dark, and cut your fucking throat. Yeah. Yep. Feast of the Mau Mau, Little Demon. Uh, oh, God. The long version of I Put a Spell on You, the one that got banned yep. from radios for being obscene. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what was That's so because, obscene about it, Carl? Nah, uh, he was he was moaning and groaning all throughout that. Ooh, he thought it was sad. And let's not forget <laughs> the constipation blues, by the way. Uh, anyway, That's a song about real pain. <laughs> but yeah, get some screaming Jay Hawkins. Yep. And he even did some. He did uh, cover a uh, Tom Waits song, "Whistling Past the Graveyard." He did, yeah. he did so much, and, and 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 love him dearly. That man is a, a true genius. Seriously. Yeah. And now we're going to move on to the '90s for one album before we'll probably go back to Nolans with Carl, as we deal with a album that's like a goth horror classic of the 90s. And that is The Darker Than Dark 
you remember in uh, Spinal Tap, Carl, and everyone who's seen it, they talk about that album being blacker than black? Yep. Well, Nick Cave's murder ballads is blacker than black. That was also on my list. And yeah. It's, and um, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And by the way, yeah. you know that there's a connection between Nick Cave and Green J. Hawkins. You know what it is? What? They're both in uh, Jim Jarmusch films. Poor bastards. Seriously. Yeah, seriously, poor bastards. <laughs> Murder Palace is unbelievable. Oh. God, yeah. I mean, only he would say, even though the bombs are dropping and your flesh is melting off your bones, just remember that death is not the end. <laughs> yep. It's one of the darkest songs ever that sung like a happy uh, like, funeral. Like a in the tavern while drinking beer, basically. Well, no, like a happy church song, you know. Not the end, not the end. Just remember that death is not the end. (laughs) And then he sings, on that same album, he sings the dirtiest version of uh, of Staggerlee I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah, that that is the unexpurgated Staggerly. I've heard the unexpurgated Staggerly. It's not as purely filthy as the Nick Cave version. <laughs> well, well the like, version oh, I, I know from the fifties that's unexpurgated is uh, Lloyd Price. Lloyd Price did the version, yeah, and of course. But would you hear Lloyd Price say that he would crawl across? He would crawl across five good pussies just to get the one young boy's asshole. Oh yeah, yeah that 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 that's that's yeah, that's Nick Cave. <laughs> and it also had Nick Cave's only top forty hit in America on it, which was surprising. Which is mm. which, which is where the wild roses grow with Kylie Minogue. Yep. It starts out as two courses of the most beautiful song you ever heard. And then it gets... (laughs) Dark. (laughs) Yeah. It just turns out there is this killer that there really was... I forget where he was, but... He would take girls and take them off and deflower them and then bashing their heads in and planting roses in his teeth. And when the cop, about the time he, when he led the cops there, there were about 20 or 30 rose bushes planted. That came out in 1996, by the way. It was recorded uh, between 93 and 95. 
And yeah. boy. Yeah. What do you think about it the first time that you heard it? Unfucking real. Unfucking real. Uh, you know, the other one I, I, I listened to just the other day um, was O'Malley's Bar. Oh, God, yeah. 21 minutes is just pure violence. Uh, actually, on the release, it's like 15 minutes. But there's a live Still, version that goes like 20, 21. Yeah. And that's one you have to hear to disbelieve. That whole album is just good. But yeah. if you play that at your Halloween party, you might get some looks. Yeah. But you will have those one or two that look at you and go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Are we going to go back down to Nolans with your next pick, Carl? Or are we no, going actually, else? we're not going to go back, back to Norlands, but we're going to go to someone who was influenced very strongly by Screaming Jay Hawkins. Mm-hmm. And that would be the crazy world of Arthur Brown. Fire! Yeah. Can I give you? Fire. Fire. <laughs> yeah. That one is a beautiful story in itself. How he, when he showed up on the Ed Sullivan show, he had people in the audience Running out in terror and pissing their pants. Yeah. As soon as he he had to speak, he had his microphone turned up to a turned up to ten or eleven, if you believe in spinal tapism. Mm-hmm. And then he went out. I am the god of hellfire, and I bring you fire. Uh. <laughs> And dun, 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 dun. By the way, do you know who who uh, uh, produced that and who was behind him? Who? Um, oh, oh, the who? Um, Townsend, Peter Townsend. Oh, cool. Peter Townsend, uh, and it was released on Track Records. Uh, he has two albums: "The Crazy World of Arthur Brown," and he came out with "Arthur Brown's Kingdom Come Later." Um, and, and they and there were three albums of Kingdom Come, only one of, of uh, Crazy World. Uh, but this is a guy, you know, that, who that a, was who was show on stage with a flame shooting out of his fucking head. Yep, on top of his hat. Mhm. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And he's still out there touring. His latest album album was Gypsy Voodoo in 2019. Um, He's he's unbelievable. And almost any album, but the one I I really recommend is uh, Crazy World of Arthur Brown. Strange Lands is very good, too. Um, But unbelievable. Fantastic uh, artist, and and um, there's more to this story, but we'll get to that later. So that's Arthur and Brown. Next, so it's up to you. Now. I want to go to 
Well, if you sing the vinyl, you're going to be paying a pretty penny for it. Mm-hmm. The originals. Okay. And this is really a super group that did with this crazy guy who just one to he did two albums of some of the most ghoulish, weirdest, creepiest music you've ever heard. I don't know where we're going. <laughs> yeah. And God bless him for having such a name. And yes, he was a real Lord, Carl. I looked it up. Yeah, I know he was. Yeah. Scream, he was not only a Lord in England, he was a, what kind of Lord was he, Carl? He was a screaming Lord. Screaming Lord. Your Majesty, Screaming Lord Hutch. Such, such. Such. My bad. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, with songs like Murder in the Graveyard, Carl's favorite, Jack the Ripper. Oh, yeah. There's like uh, there's a live version of that on YouTube. If you want, yeah. it, it's it's unfucking real. Seriously, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And by the way, I I'm did, in I love didn't have with an album. A vampire. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had I had an album of, of Screaming Lord Such in my collection, and that is now um, with my collection with John Shearer. He has all my albums that I gave to him. So he he has that album. Which one did you have? All through the night or the other one? I had the other one. Which was not as. No, it was basically Screaming Lord Such. Uh, There's not exactly a title on it, if I remember correctly. Oh, okay. It's been a while since I. But yeah, why is such a novelty album done by a guy who was a member of British Parliament so musically fucking sound? How, who, do okay, I know well, anyone who could tell me that, Carl? Do I? I think you do. <laughs> I think you do. So okay. such was a very, very good friend of John Mayo. And uh, so he basically teamed up with a guy by the name of Chaz McDevitt. And they came up with this idea of doing Jack the Ripper, but they needed this garage about this this sound. And so basically he he hooked up with was was right, you know, and let's see who who all did they bring in? Well, they brought in Eric Clapton. Uh, they brought in um, Jeff Beck, Richie Blackmore, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Keith Moon, Noel Redding. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, let's see who. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much so. Uh, and. Uh, but yeah, all these guys went through through such as bands, you know. And basically, some of them weren't recorded on on the albums, but they played with them live. 
But, you know, if basically if he needed a musician, he'd call up John Mayall and say, hey, I need somebody. Can you send someone over for a gig? And that's what would happen. And don't forget, uh, John Bonham was in, uh, played with Screaming Lord Such, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot that. Yes, he did. Yeah. uh, Moon, I had to go on a tour, so Bonham replaced him. Yep. I think this is back when Bonham was in uh, the New Yardbirds. Well, actually, no. We'll get to that momentarily. Okay. Oh, actually, I Go think ahead. it was new, new. Okay, because bottom comes up uh, a little later for me. Okay? Yeah. No, but you're right. It was the New Yardbirds, which, of course, all came from John Mayle. <laughs> you know, John Mayle is the father of British uh, blues, without a doubt. He's the father. And if you know a if you know a certain movie from the early seventies, which is one of the best rock movies ever made, just hearing uh, Job Mayo's name will send you off in the giggles like a little schoolgirl. Yeah, we were talking about that before the show. <laughs> yeah, look at you, Carl. You could have been playing good music, respectful music, with Blake Mayo and his glue bakers. But no, <laughs> you had to play Zappa's comedy music. <laughs> you gotta love it. You gotta love it. Yeah, but Screaming Lord Such is just. I don't know why. There's so many Who completists. There's so many Led Zeppelin completists. There's so many Jeff Beck completists. There's so many Eric Clapton completists. That this, that it, Screaming Lord Such's album should be out in the forefront. Yeah. But it's not. I lucked into it while looking for sound for my Halloween mix last. On Spotify, look up KSDAD's Halloween Mix of Doom. Nice. But yeah, why do you think, Carl, that Lord Such is two albums with all of that power has really gone into obscurity? Well, Okay, so I don't consider it obscurity. I consider it he's so pigeonholed in the Halloween that that nobody mentions him unless it's Halloween. Seriously, because because all of his songs are you know murder songs and Jack the Ripper and monsters and stuff like that. Yeah, but do you ever hear Eric Clapton completists talk about him? No. No. Do you ever hear who completists? No. That's who I'm talking about. Yeah, the completist crowd. Those crazy... Yeah. That's a a different level of insanity there when you get into record completists. That's why yeah, I'm glad yeah, that you yeah. fell in love with Frank Zappa, Carl. 
Well, you know, talk about a completist. I'm certainly a completist on Zappa. No question. No, you realize that mountain is too high, too big, and too expensive to climb all the freaking way. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to do that, but I know the music. The music's more important to me. I'm than talking the about buying well. when it when I'm yeah. talking about completists, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean trust Even me, the I, had, I had a really good Zappa collection. Don't kid yeah. yourself. Oh, I know that, but you're not one of those that would buy like uh wax tracks that would fall off the truck. Wink wink. No. No, I wouldn't. No, you're actually right about that. And falling off the truck is something that we could do a whole show on, but let's get move on. What's your next pick, Carl? Okay, so so we're talking about Arthur Brown. Now we're going to talk about an album that I totally love. Okay, and it's an album that came out right after these people broke from Arthur Brown to start their own band. Those people that broke, that were playing with Arthur Brown, was organist Vincent Crane and drummer Carl Palmer. And they came out with an album. The band's name is Atomic Rooster, and the album's name is Death Walks Behind You. Now, I have given you this to listen to. You know, uh, it is, to me, my favorite all-time Halloween song. It's like 11 minutes long, but the whole album is nothing but, you know, creepy as fuck and good progressive rock and roll. And um, cool. Vincent Crane, that, then, then, then once uh, Atomic Rooster only came out with three albums. Once they broke up, he went back to, to uh, Arthur Brown, and they're still touring together. <laughs> Yeah, in 2023. Yeah, it's sad that we had so many. I think Paul Simon uh, cemented the term one-trick ponies. Mm -hmm. But just to give you an idea of the songs on there, you've got got, uh, Death Walks Behind You, you have Tomorrow Night Devil's Answer, uh, all off this album, um, just just unbelievable stuff. Um, give me a second here. Uh, Vug, Seven Streets, Sleeping Vug? for Years, which is a Vug, V U G. Sleeping for Years, which is a uh, and yeah, that's basically it. Um, uh, sleeping for Years which is a very, very twisted version of Rip Van Winkle. Gershotzer. If you don't know what Gershotzer is, uh, it's a German word for a toilet. The Schiller! <laughs> yeah. the Or Scheiser. Scheiser. No. So anyway, anyway, that's 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 uh, Atomic Rooster, and it's wonderful stuff. It's good progressive rock. It's really outstanding. 
But Desperate Walks Behind You is the Halloween song of all time, as far as I'm concerned. Number one. There you go. But what about Ghostbusters? No. <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> or the Time Warp. I like the Time Warp. I don't even like Ghostbusters, but no. No. We want things no. to scare people. And this scares people. Only way the Rocky Horror Picture Show would scare someone if they're a homophobe. Yeah. And I don't mean the latter. <laughs> and for okay. me, I'm going back down to New Orleans about a story concept album done by this guy whose entire thing has been dark, semi-satanic rock. And it's it was an album about this couple that goes to settle in this house down in New Orleans, but it's haunted by the ghost of a woman named Abigail. And that would be Abigail by King Diamond. Okay. I was wondering if you were going to bring up King Diamond or not. You hadn't talked to me about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, Abigail, but the I whole album, just the, it's just a great creepy ghost story. Oh, yeah, agreed. Agreed. I'm not a huge fan of King Diamond, but I have heard cuts from that album, and, and it's pretty goddamn good. Yeah, that is uh, pretty much, even he considers that his masterpiece. You know, mm-hmm. it's one where he goes into horror without going into the satanic stuff that's usually his bread and butter. Mm-hmm. If you look at most Norwegian death metal bands that put on the makeup, they definitely take a lot of inspiration from the king himself. Oh, yeah. King Diamond and Merciful Fate. Pretty much, if you're looking for something creepy and you want something different, just forget any of the Merciful Fate uh, or King Diamond. But besides Abigail, you might want to test run them before you play them. Because you might offend someone. Mm-hmm. It's like outside of a king. Di- this is the close of uh, my talking about King Diamond. Outside of a King Diamond, once he was uh, walking to his uh, limo, and this woman come up and said, "Your music offends my Christian sensibilities." And he just looked at her and went, "Good," and got in his limo and left. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay, since we're in the metal, I'm going to bring up my only metal album, or proto-metal album. Uh, and it is one Can of I the tell creepiest... the intro to it before you say that? Okay, but, but all I, uh, before, before you do that, I will say this. I think it's the creepiest... 
uh, debut album ever from a very famous band. Now you can go. And what happened was these three working class English fellows went was going out one day and they and they had a show to play about five about you know, about later that day and they was like uh a Beatles, Rolling Stones, you know, the usual cover band shit. Yep. But then they were like Ooh, this is a scary movie. What's it called? Beep. They say the title and say, ah, let's go see it. It might have a few scared birds there to jump in our lap. And they came out of this movie, their eyes widen, and ta- and the lead and the get lead guitarist looked at the singer and said, I want to make music feels like that movie. Yep. And what was yep. that movie that they went to see on that day, Carl? It was Mario Bava's Black Sabbath. Boop. Yep. <sighs> yeah. And it gave Tommy us the I album me. Black Sabbath. Yep. Yeah. Go ahead. Sabbath, bloody Sabbath. Yep. Just, just unbelievable, and 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 scary album cover too. That's one of the scariest fucking album covers I've ever seen. Yeah. If I know you, know, you like that Sabbath. album cover so much, at one Christmas time, it's hard to find nowadays. But they put out a, a Funko Pop of the album cover, and the pop with it was uh, that woman from the cover. Nice. But yeah, you know, I mean, you, ha- you have the, the title song. You have the title song, Black Sabbath. You've got the Wizard. You've got Evil Woman. You've got Warning, which, by the way, was co-written by uh, Ainsley Dunbar. Uh, but just a fucking great album. Great album. Yeah, and do you remember that song? That was hidden, or was it hidden on the Children of the Grave? That had the hidden no, no, song that's their, at the that's end. That's their next album. That's their next album. Yeah, Children that of was the Paranoid. Grave. Yeah, it's, it's not on the first. It's not on the first album. Not on the first okay. album. I think that's on yeah. Paranoid. But yeah, that's another is people. That's no. another one that, that, that would be perfect for Halloween, too, is Paranoid. The horror trifecta is Black Sabbath, Paranoid, and uh, Children of the Grave. Right. Yep. And uh, okay, my man... Okay. Now you go, Carl. You have some serious ones slotted up. My mind's foggy for all of a sudden. No, no, no. The next two I have are not serious. They're more for kids. Well, I mean, you have them written down. Yeah, I have them written down. So you you want me to go? Okay, so when we think about family-friendly... Uh, uh, Halloween songs. One of the big ones that come by is Bobby Pickett's um, 
Monster Mash. And there's nothing wrong with that album or that song or that album if you find it on Garpax. Um, it's, it's a wonderful album. But I thought I would pick something else along the same lines that isn't as well known. Now, people that know me know how much I love Spike Jones. Spike Jones is basically the godfather of novelty music. Started in the late 30s, early Don't 40s. Don't underplay him. I'm not underplaying him. No, you not, are. Not at all. Spike Jones made more money off musical patents. Oh yeah! Okay. To play with this thing, he was the first one to create a scale cowbell line. You may think of me like Steve, you're kind of stupid, but if you'd actually heard them from the deep bass to the little light one, that was five to ten years of research, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean he has many many patents as far as uh, cowbell stands. That that I think the patents are now no longer around, but nonetheless he he was an excellent drummer. He I mean he was he was a drummer during the uh, swing era in the 30s and 40s, and then uh, basically came out with the Spike Jones Deprecation Review, and he did all of these silly songs. Their their Fuhrer's bass and, and, and all this stuff that was, you know, thumping your nose and, 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 and that. But he has an album where he's making fun of Hi-Fi, which was a new thing in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And Spike Jones does Hi-Fi, and the cover is all the, the, all the monsters and witches and so on and so forth. The whole album is Halloween, and it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Uh, he's silly, and, and the man was one of the great arrangers. He does a version of um, of Night on Bald Mountain on this that is just hysterically funny and was like, oh, my God, how can they play that? Seriously. The first yeah. time I ever listened to, the first time I ever listened to Spike Jones, we had gotten a 78 player. And and I I took it and there were some 78s there and I ran across Spike Jones laughing record and I said what the hell is this? And I put it on trombone. Think of this trombone player playing Flight of the Bumblebee. And then all of a sudden yeah. he has an asthma attack and starts sneezing, and then everyone starts laughing, and that's the whole that's the whole side. And it's just, it's, it's, it's hysterical. But, you know, imagine playing the Flight of the Bumblebee on the fucking trombone. That ain't easy. Yeah. Trust me. And did you know that he did a score for a Disney Merry Melodies cartoon? Oh, yeah, I did know that. Which one? I can't remember which one, but I remember that... that the Skeleton um, Dance. Yep, that's it. That's it. Because Carl Stalling just looked at, uh, at Leon Schlesinger and said, you don't want me for this. You want Spike Jones." That's right. 
Yeah, yep. and uh, it went over Flesher's head because he called up Spike Jones, da da da, skeleton dance. Oh, what kind of xylophone do you want to use? What? We got a high pitch timber? We got a low pitch timber? We got. It was basically trying to. Dis- it was basically someone discussing calculus with someone who was confused by third grade division. <laughs> <laughs> And don't forget, if it wasn't for dear, sweet Spike Jones, we wouldn't have the Alien soundtrack. No. Absolutely not. And also one of the first people to to bring in the theremin, too, into his music. Yeah. he He was unbelievable. Who's unbelievable. He's a big, big uh, uh, hero of mine. But Spike Jones does Hi-Fi is a great album, particularly for kids and for family-friendly. And you definitely want to check that out. And don't forget the great uh, soundtrack from the Haunted Mansion, the 50s version, if you can find it. Yep, because that, that also is... is, is uh, by Jones, and I mean, he does the Nutcracker Suite, he does all of this stuff, and it's unbelievable. Yeah. And when we get to Christmas, we'll, we'll, we'll get into Spike, too, I'm sure. Yeah. And, uh, we'll got, well, we're going to spin, spin off your albums, because it's about time for us to get into, uh, uh, we got. Well, I got one more to go into, but you have forgotten somebody. Well, who? You have. Well, let me put it this way: Gree Gree. Oh yeah, that was yours. No, that's yours. Well, what happened no, no, no. was that uh, Doctor John. He would put on Dr. John shows with his that 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 right place, wrong time, nothing from nothing leads nothing, you know, pop songs. But then there was this weird album that come out with no idea of who wrote it, right, Carl? Well, it, it was him on the cover. You knew it was Dr. John if you knew who what he looked like, yeah. Yeah, but if you didn't, all you seen was this cover. It just said, The Night Tripper. Gree, gree. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Carl, why does this fit Nolan's horror so much? Well, it's all it's all about uh, witchcraft and, and, and uh, all the, the ghost stories of, of, of that. Walking on Gilded Splinters is one of the scariest yeah. fucking things if you really listen to what it's talking about. But it's all about New Orleans magic and and the graveyards and uh, witches. And, and he does a version, uh, it's not called Marie Laveau, but it's about Marie Laveau on the Gregory album. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, you got it. You got to talk about Dr. John and Gregory. And I know you love yeah. that even more than I do. So that's why I wanted to give that to you. Yeah, I love it. It's just so creepy. And the fact that he would do complete shows as the Night Tripper. The Night Tripper going to come to your house and kill you. 
one of these nights, you'll never know. And you'll never you know, and, and, of course, the, he he also uh, uh, did a lot of theatricality in these particular concerts. He would come out in feathers yeah. and, 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 and do, do incantations and things like that. Uh, wonderful stuff. Wonderful stuff. And if you've ever watched uh, the Disney movie, uh, what was it? Princess and the Frog? Yes. Oh, yeah. If you look at the bad guy, Dr. Lesseter, he's a cross between Screaming Jay Hawkins and Dr. John is the Night Tripper. Yep. And, of course, Dr. John does the soundtrack to that, too. And some great fucking music on that movie. That's that's my favorite uh, hand-drawn animation, of, of, of uh, particularly the late ones. Of, yeah. Um, of Disney. I just love that movie. Love it's that movie. It's just one of those where they got everything about that Nolan's creepiness right. And there's a version of Evangeline in that movie that just will break your fucking heart. And since we it's... right here at the spot, Miss Lavie Marie Laveau. Has probably been the most recorded about historical figure from Nolan ever. Let's see. All the bands that me and Carl love from the mid-70s that came from that area sung about her. Uh, Red Bull. Dr. Hook. Dr. Hook. Bobby Bear. Mm-hmm. It just seems like if you're the Nolan's band and you didn't have a song about Marie Laveau in your repertoire, you'd be kicked out of New Orleans. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. Wonderful stuff. Um, yep. And before we get to uh, the spoken words, i got one more to go through. Unless you've got another one, I, I'll go. No. So all I'm going to do here is this is an album by uh, by an artist. I'm not going to tell you the artist yet, but I'm going to give you the album's name. Tell me what you think of this. Riding a black unicorn down the side of an erupting volcano while drinking from a chalice filled with the laughter of small children. That is the name of the album. Don't you remember what I said earlier? Okay, that's exactly what I want you to say. Go for it. That move, that album title, that when you said it, rust just shot out of your mouth. (laughs) Absolutely. And this is an artist by the name of Aurelio, Aurelio Voltaire, or otherwise known as Voltaire. He's a Cuban American. He's a guy that I just ran into basically recently because I got YouTube uh, music premium. And he has basically engulfed the whole goth aesthetic. So all his songs are from a goth aesthetic. And he comes out in goth uh, um, costuming and such. and, And it's all about death and how... We're all going to die, and, and and it's all depressing shit. 
and it's done very jauntily. The songs are, are sound like like they could be children's songs almost, but not the fucking lyrics. But this yeah, is the guy you should check like, out. Sort of like that one I mentioned earlier, Death is Not the End from Nick Cave. Right, exactly. Da, 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 exactly. Da, da, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, those are some creepy albums, but yeah, now when I was looking up for albums for this, I found like a genre that I forgot about, and I should because every Halloween when I was a wee little thief from about uh, well, when I was in grade school, the librarian every Halloween Eve or as close to Halloween as she could get before the weekend, you know, she would whip out an album with like scary stories. And yes, this is the inspiration for my these albums, which we're going to be talking about, are the true inspiration. For my live read series that I do every year. Well, I try to do every year. I know I spiked off last year, but I've been sick. Sue me. No, Sue Carl. Because he ain't got shit. And he'll be like, yeah, sue me. Uh, you can take everything I got. Fuck you. <laughs> right, Carl? Wrong. But that's okay. <laughs> I'll, no, you'll be I'll like... You'd be like, nothing from nothing, get you nothing. I got to have something if you want to get paid, but you ain't getting paid. But, yeah, Carl remembers more of the radio shows that they would play on public radio. One of the great things about that is when I was in school for my master's in church music in Chicago, I uh, on Sunday nights, uh, um, Stan Freeberg had a show and he would play all these old radio shows like the Phantom Lights Out and man I freaking loved it so I always you know my, my roommate at the time was just looking at me like you're weird but I was uh, and I was also like 30 years older than him at the point or 20 at least but yeah I was yeah, we're getting into a thing that I like to call, and I hope Carl likes the term, theater of the mind. Yep. Yeah, and, and, and I remember going to the library when I was a kid, and it'd be near Halloween, and there'd be an album by, like, Vincent Price. Scary stories and stuff like, and I love that stuff. And so we we get it from the library. Yeah. The one that I listened to today was uh, called "A Witch's Horn Book," filled with poems and stories read by head warlock Vincent Price. Nice. And that had like a beautiful uh, witch. Uh, woodcutting, woodcut cover. You know what I mean, that style. I know exactly what you mean. And Carl said, and Tracy said, it looked just like something that was from where the wild things are. That style. 
Yep. And it's creepy as hell. I can see why many schools would not stock it. Because half of it is just scary poems and stories like the Jabberwock and stuff. But the other half is him basically reading a witch's warm book on how to become a witch. Yep. And then Wonderful there's the stuff. Alfred Hitchcock series for young children. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also Boris Karloff did a couple of them too. Yeah. I remember. And and he would they were stories basically the one I remember is they were stories about the universal monsters. You know, uh uh Frankenstein and the werewolf and and all that. I remember hearing one by Boris Karloff where he gets mad at the Frankenstein's monster for breaking the wall to go outside. Monster? Why did you break down the wall? What do you mean you had to go outside? The door was right next to it. Well, a lot of that was picked up by, you know, we were talking a little bit about Monster Mask and Bobby Pickett definitely, you know, that influenced Bobby Pickett in that song. And that Monster Party and all that stuff. But, you know, a lot of these these spoken albums were, were basically for kids. You know, you know, they were relatively family friendly. They were like the the predecessor to Goosebumps, for example. But right? they had some for yeah, but they had some for adults. Yeah. You know, like uh one of the rarest ones I've seen, uh the cheapest vinyl was a vinyl and if you get a vinyl a record in crappy condition, it's nineteen dollars. The three hundred dollars for a virgin, and what does a virgin mean, Carl? A complete well, virgin. Well, well, basically, basically, a virgin means you know a woman who hasn't had sex. What the record version of that is is mint. It's mint. It's not been played. Mint. If it's been played, not once, been it's mint played lines. in plastic. Yeah, that that that's a mint. Yeah, that's you a know, and, 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 and I've heard it called a virgin too with the plastic. Yeah, with the plastic, you know, it's called sealed. a virgin. Mm-hmm. Still sealed. <laughs> but and it is Roddy McDowell reads the stories of H.P. Lovecraft, nice. and the first side is is split into two parts. But it's Roddy McDowell's reading H.P. Lovecraft, The Outsider. Nice. And the second side is him reading, uh, uh, what's the one that uh, Dan O'Bannon did that was based on there? And they used part of it for The Haunted Palace. Oh, Uh, the facts in the case of, no, the facts of the case. Uh, uh, Baltimore? Yeah, M. Baltimore. Baltimore. Yeah. He didn't pick easy to white two stories, did he? 
No, he didn't. He didn't. And if you go to uh, Vinegar Syndrome, and I think they're sold out by now, there's a reading of, it's a cassette called like, eh, right? But it's a cassette of the reading of The Color Out of Space by, guess who? Um, um, by the author himself. By the author. No, by Richard Stanley. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. You know who else did something like that? Who? Um, um, Here's a name that you might know or might not. Tully Cooperberg. You know who Tully Cooperberg is? No. Have you heard of the Fugs? Fug, yeah. Okay, so he was part of the Fugs. He did a he did a he did a version of um of uh oh, what was it um oh Illustrated Man he did a version of the Illustrated Man some of the stories from the Illustrated Man by Brother Cooperberg yeah nice I think I've seen the album um. Yeah, but I, they wanted it, like twenty from it for it. Yeah, that that's because that one is the one that was just released not too long ago. Yeah, they had no. It was an older version of it. Well, then if it was twenty bucks, it was, hey, you should have bought it because oh, they did yeah. a remake. Because I'm following them now, and they're coming out with a new album, and uh-huh. they're talking about all their re-releases, and they did all re-releases of these spoken words by both Sanders and, and, and Cooperberg. And Tully's, it's actually, what, two days ago was his 100th birthday. He's long gone by now, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, Vincent Price did a few of them. Mm-hmm. Like there's a night uh, with Edgar Allan Poe. When I say few, Carl, I mean about 30 to 20 to 30. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's a lot more than a few. Well, that's what we consider a few down south. (laughs) You know, I see a few of them. Yeah, yeah. Some of the word stuff didn't sell nearly as well. But they, they basically, a lot of spoken words were, were basically aimed at libraries. Yeah. Because libraries would keep those, like, and you'd use them for English classes and so on and so forth. And so that's how, that's that's where they were basically marketed toward the uh, spoken yeah, word. Yeah, no, there was this one by Orson Welles. I forget, it was just a whole bunch of short stories. That he did that I'd usually try to borrow from the library of my grade school every Halloween while I went to that school once I heard it. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it there's another one that good. Price didn't, didn't want a Nathaniel Hawthorne, too. 
and Ambrose Spears. He he did like a whole series. The Hawthorne uh, was a tie-in to uh, Twice Told Tales. Right. Yep. In fact, I remember the uh, uh, the cover to that one. But you but really yeah, didn't I... see a resurgence of the audio horror until the 70s. What happened is we would pick up college radio or public radio, which would use any cheap broadcast they could. And about that time, uh, the shadow, the spider, the laugh. Who was the guy that was just the laughing? The laughing um, man? Yeah, there, there was another name for he him. Was, but I, yeah. He would start his show telling how he was murdered, and now he oh, goes. Oh, that's the strike. It's the strike, I think. The strike, yeah. Uh, Okay. Yeah, and he would go from like uh, town to town. You know, he would just be there to watch. And uh, if you were a fan of the monster cereals and honeycomb, each Halloween they would have like a Halloween album, which is either a live recording they recorded or something cool like... uh, one year I got Orson Welles' version of The Hitchhiker. Yeah, that, that's been, of course, adapted all over the place. Uh, that was written by a woman, by the way. Um, can't think of her name, but, but Twilight Zone did it. The 80s Twilight Zone did it. Um, they even did a version of, the, uh, of, the, of that. For the show, The Hitchhiker, which was on HBO in the, what, the 80s? 90s? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah then there's sport. the one which we're going to close the show out with. And there was this thing called Halloween Horrors. They came out when I was a kid. And if you're looking at this on Blog Talk or on Spotify, and you can see the album artwork I picked. That's it. It's a story about a guy who has adopted, who has inherited a house in New Orleans, and he goes down there to visit on Halloween night. And the other side is filled with sound effects. Which was cool if you was running a haunted house or something. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So, Carl, what do you think is better, just getting a whole collection of scary songs off of the net, or looking up these whole albums like we've had to really look for, and get a full experience from someone going one direction. I think they're both valid, but, but, you know, we're pushing the albums because, you know, you might know a song from an album, but if you don't know the whole album, you're missing out. Particularly if they were put out in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and the early 80s, because and the pretty idea much of an album... And pretty much if they were a concept album. 
Right, exactly. Explain to exactly. the younglings what a concept album was as an idea, Carl. Well, basically, a concept album, it's sort of like a, a rock opera. It might be a rock opera or it might be songs that are interconnected in some way to, to, to give you a feel. The one that you mentioned earlier was uh, the Alan Parsons project, Tales of Imagination, uh, Edgar Allan Poe. And uh, Rick Wakerson's War of the Worlds. A concept mm-hmm. is an idea that's told through music and words on an album to tell one singular story. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and, and the Kinks, which is my group, they did several concept albums. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, by the way, you mentioned you mentioned Rick Wakeman and War of the Worlds. I want to also mention my favorite version of, of, of War of the Worlds is, is Jeff Wright's, who's not as well known as, as the Wakeman version. But there were two two albums that came out like a year, one after another, you know, on the next year. And the first one was Wakeman, and the second one was Jeff Wright. Both good. I just like the Wright better. Yeah. And to wrap it up so we can have 14 da-da-da to uh, listen to the greatness that is Halloween Horrors, Carl, what do you have coming up as the 31 days of Halloween start on Monday. What do you what do you have going and coming up this weekend? Or is this another well, fallow season? Okay, so we have a whole series of stuff that's happening. But, but I mean, uh, what I'm asking for- is, what are you doing Sunday, Saturday, or Sunday? Okay, Sunday, Sunday we're just uh, TC's got a show on on Golden Oldies. Um, but we start, of course, Monday is, is October 1st. And one of the big things that's happening here in Metro New York City is that there is a uh, festival, film festival, that's going to be coming up on the 18th through the 22nd. It's called Shaka Gogo. And uh, on the 4th, which is Wednesday, uh, we're going to have uh, the head of that and filmmaker uh, Eric Eichelberger, coming in and talking about the festival. Uh, not only that, uh, this festival has special guests such as Lloyd Kaufman uh, and, and a number of people, including a, a mutual friend of ours, Scooter McRae. Uh, uh, and we're going to have Scooter uh, on. We're going to have uh, – I'm hoping to get Lloyd Kaufman back on. Uh, but we're going to be – and we've got two filmmakers already that are going to come in and we're going to talk about their films that are premiering at this festival. So, so a lot of what we're doing right now is getting ready for the festival and, and booking everybody. So, uh, but we're also going to be doing uh, commentary watches. I know a couple of the commentary watches we're doing um, uh, is uh, Pin. Uh, we're going to be doing uh, Day of the Dead. How'd you find you know, the, got, how the hell did you find a good print of Pin? You know how I got a good print of print? They just put one up on fucking YouTube. I mean, nice. seriously. They, 
It came up about a month ago, and I said, holy shit, we got to do Pin for, for October. I love that movie. Fucking love that movie. Oh, God, yeah. The book's oh. good, too. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, so we're going to be doing that. We, we're going to be doing a, uh, uh, um, of course, our, our playlist that we always do every year. And uh, I know Doc uh, uh, has some things planned, and, and we're going to be focusing. We're going to be doing a lot, and it's going to be, I've been after that to get their shit together uh, uh, so that we can get this all planned. But right now, things are a little up in the air because i got to plan all this stuff for the Shaka Go-Go, which we're, we're basically going to be their podcast uh, promoter, just like you, you do with Knoxville. So, so that that's turned out to be really well, and I got to thank you for What we got planned here is probably some stuff with Vicky. I need to get in touch with her. Bad Stephen. Ow, ow, ow. <laughs> and yeah, really. uh, we're going to be probably indulging ourselves uh, on Criterion. <laughs> With a few from the 90s horror list, you can join us if you're able. One we were going to save for November, but we're going to do the second part of this double feature in November. It's going to be like the longest distance between part one and part two of a double feature. (laughs) We're going to be... the only movies that mention a certain monster with a book about a steam-powered dildo. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I know the movie you're talking about. And we're going to watch the most mis-marketed Film of the 90s. The only, and it's the only film I've ever seen that has a... What is that weird instrument that they use in it, Carl? Do, 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 do. I'm not that sure sounds what sort of like about. an accordion, but not... Oh, uh, oh, 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 no, I know. Um, what the hell is that thing called? You blow into it. Um, yeah, it's a very odd instrument, and it fits the oddness of the movie. Mm-hmm. And we got a couple more we're going to debate about doing, but we're definitely going to be doing a night of pre-code horror with Bella Lugosi really doesn't like cats, does he? And no, he cursing doesn't. German midgets. What that is, you'll have to work out when we get to it. Cursing German midgets, I like that. <sighs> yeah. And with that, good night. And yes, it's the ritual has only started. Good night, everybody. Here we go. Thanks for having me, Stephen.
Yeah. Thanks for having me. Good go. night to everyone. Yeah. The story is 14 minutes and 28 seconds. Listen if you want, because it's a good one. And if you guys watch Rugrats during the 90s, the guy that did the voice of you, Pickles, is the guy who does the main voice work on this. So here we go. Oh, boy, what a night to be driving. And it's Halloween, too. Oh, it's creepy. Oh, man, when I get to be back at home, snug and warm. Wait a minute, what's that up ahead? Ah, gas station. Pardon me, is this the way to Elm Hall Plantation? Yes, uh, yes, yes it is, but no one is there. I'd advise you to turn back. It's not safe in this weather. Thanks. like this anyway. Who would have thought a week ago I'd be here driving on a lonely, dark road looking for an old mansion? Ah, what can you do? Last week I received that letter informing me that I had inherited an antebellum mansion just 20 miles outside of Natchez, Mississippi. It was left to me by my great-grandmother who lived there all of her 90 years. Boy, that's a long time. Let's see. The mansion was built, I think, in 1820. And according to the stories I've heard, it has a very mysterious and tragic history. I believe one of my ancestors, as a small child, fell to his death from a high window in the old place. It was very mysterious as the story goes. As I recall, the window from which he fell was never closed following the accident. That's kind of weird. Anyway, the child's mother never recovered from the loss, nor did she ever leave the house again. Years later, she passed away. Her mind, that of a little girl, ever since the night of the accident. I've heard that she only walked at night, clad in a gossamer white gown, breathing the only word she ever said for the rest of her life. My baby. Have you seen my baby? Oh, I talk about creepy. Legend has it that on stormy nights like this... Oh, they don't get any stormier. A white ghost-like form glides down the long corridors of Elm Hall. And it's even been said that some have sworn to have heard a cold, whispering, childlike voice saying, My baby, have you seen my baby? Ah, that's silly. Things like that only happen in the movies. And yet, legend also has it that those who have heard the voice have died tragically within the next year. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how these stories get started and are passed down from generation to generation. Yet... The eldest son of each generation at Elm Hall has always died mysteriously before his 25th year. Wait a minute. I won't be 25 until next week. Hey, better be careful, old boy. <laughs> oh, boy, this storm looks like it'll never let up. And the lightning. Oof. Huh. I wonder what it was like in the old days. 
plenty of servants, I bet. Horses, carriages, and those, oh, those beautiful southern bells. Ah, yes, riding off to war with Beauregard. Oh, the old Elm Hall was certainly a pride of the old South. I bet it's a wreck today. My luck. I seem to remember another story about the old place. What, what was that? Oh, yeah, something about one of the daughters who was exceptionally beautiful. In fact, wait a minute, wait a minute. I remember an old photograph I once saw of her. And she was beautiful, even in that old-timey picture. Let's see, I, I think it was during the Civil War. That's it. Her name was Elizabeth, and she fell in love with a Yankee lieutenant. When her father found out, he went into a wild rage and told her she couldn't see the young lieutenant again. For weeks, she just stayed in her room. And then one day news came. Her lieutenant had been killed in the war. That afternoon, she rode her favorite horse. Oh, wow, what was his name? Uh, uh, Dancer. That's right, Dancer. She rode Dancer down to the Mississippi. And her horse returned home to Elm Hall that night, riderless. As I remember the story, about a week later, some young boys fishing on a sandbar saw her float by. Her body was returned to Elm Hall, and she was buried in the family cemetery on the grounds of the plantation. They say that on summer evenings, when it's deathly still, some people can hear a rush of wind like, like a rider passing by. And the Spanish moss hanging from the old tree in front parts like someone has just passed through. Oh, boy, that's creepy. Some say it's Elizabeth looking for her lover. And yet, others say it's her favorite horse, Dancer, looking for her. For every day, for the rest of his life, her horse would walk riderless to the Mississippi and wait patiently until nightfall for Elizabeth to return. And then he would walk back slowly in his grief to Elm Hall. Wait a minute, there's something up ahead. It... That's it, yeah. That's the old place. That's Elm Hall. Well, don't just sit in the car, Stephen. Go in and have a look around. No. window upstairs. It's open, and the curtain is flapping wildly. Look at that. There seems to be a light on up there. No. Come, come on, there's no light on up there. What are you, Stephen, you're imagining things. Oh, boy, it's still creepy. front door is open. Good. It's not locked. Glad I brought this flashlight. Hope it doesn't conk out on me. Oh, wow. What a beautiful place. It is kind of eerie, though. Hmm, this must be the living room. Wait a minute. No, no. It's the front parlor. That's what they called it. Look at those drapes. Oh. <coughs> oh, great. <coughs> All that dust. Mm. I'll never get it out of my nose. 
Wait a minute. Look at that marble fireplace. It must be worth a fortune. What's that? This seems to be a portrait over the fireplace. It's, it's Elizabeth. It has to be Elizabeth, the girl who lost her lover in the Civil War. Oh, boy, is she beautiful. Mm. It's, it's almost like going back in time. Wait a minute, there's a, a, a pipe organ over there. That's got to be worth a fortune. And look at that, another portrait. Let's see, it looks like, it looks like a Confederate general. I wonder who he is. Oh, my. Holy cow. His eyes moved. No, they couldn't have. They didn't move. They, they couldn't have moved. I could have sworn his eyes moved. His eyes looked real. Oh, all right, now stop. Stop. Stephen, <laughs> get a hold of yourself, boy. Now, come on. It's only a picture. The eyes didn't move. Even though it looked like they did. All right, let's go in the hallway. Come on. Oh, darn. There goes the flashlight. What a time to go out. What's that? Is that the wind? No, it's footsteps. Oh, no. Oh, no, don't let this be happening to me. It's just my imagination. Oh, no, they're coming nearer. They're coming nearer. Oh, my heart is pounding. Stop. I gotta stop my heart from pounding, because they're gonna hear me. Stop. Oh, I can't. They're going past me. They must have seen me. They must have seen me. They must know I'm here. I can't see anything. It's so dark. down at the end of the hall. Wait. Wait a minute. This, it's somebody. It's somebody coming down here. It, look, it looks like a, a woman. I think she's wearing a white gown. She's coming this way. She's, she's looking right at me. But, wait a minute. She, she's looking right at me, but she doesn't even see me. right through the wall. It's like a dream. That's it. It's a dream. It's a dream. It's just a dream, Stephen. Oh, my heart's about to explode. Good Lord! What's that? Oh, it's right here. It, it, it just missed me. I, it feels like a, a coffin. No, no, it can't be a coffin. Oh, don't let it be a coffin. Wait, wait a minute. I, I think it's a, a, a grandfather's clock. Please let it be a grandfather's clock, please. What's that? Oh, no. Not bats. Bats. I can't stand bats. Get, get, get away. Get, get away from me. They're in my hair. Get, get, 
I can't take this any longer. I'm getting out of here while I still can. Where's the front door? It's, it's this way. No, wait a minute. I, 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 think, I, think, I think it's this way. Oh, wait a minute. Wait, stop. Stop. You, you got to think straight now. now. Now, stop. Where are you? You took a left. You took a right. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. Wait a minute. It's the door. It's the, it's the door. It won't open. It won't open. It's, 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 it's got to open. Open up. Open up. Door, please open. Please, door open. I'm trapped. I'm trapped. Oh, oh thank heavens. It opened. Wait, what's that? What's that? A horse. I'm getting out of here before I go mad. Thank you. I'll never go near that place again. That's it. I've got to unload that place. I don't care what I get for it. I've got to unload it. I'll take anything. Is this the right road? Oh, it's got to be. I, I hope I'm heading towards town. I must be getting near that town by now. Yeah, the, there's the gas station. Oh, good. Y'all went up the old place after all, huh? Oh, yeah. Look, could you tell me where I can spend the night? Uh, a hotel, a motel? Hotel, now. Let's see. The Jeb Stewart Hotel is a right nice place, and that's just down the street away. Yeah, I saw that place when I came into town. Look, is there any place else? No. That is the only place in town. But uh, I'll tell you, it's the finest hotel we have in these parts. I know, because I own it. Oh, boy. <laughs> One other thing. Is there a real estate firm here in town? Yeah, well, now you all be talking about the Dixon Company. Dixon Company? Yeah, huh? And it, it's, it's the, the only place, place in town. town. Yeah, I yeah. figured as much. And I own that, too. <laughs> Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.